Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Matt St. Jean here with Barrett Hodgson. And oh boy, uh, Patriots, we're coming to you after this Patriots game. Patriots lose 24 to 10 on Thursday night football to the Bills in a game that really after the first half never felt competitive um not a great game all around barrett and patriots nation is not in a great place right now i don't even know where to start with this one where do you want to go i mean i think the best place to start is probably how disappointing the offense was after looking pretty good last week against the vikings um your leading receiver today was a cornerback like that's not gonna cut it against an elite Buffalo Bills team. And was there anything positive on offense besides Marcus Jones today? They, to be quite frank, this looked like a team whose left tackle is gravely ill, whose left guard is a rookie, and whose right tackle they signed as a backup from the rival 10 days ago. Like that's That's what this team looked like on offense. Yeah, and I felt like some of the play calling was conservative, um, obviously, with those circumstances on the offensive line. It makes sense, but they were airing it out all game last week. It just doesn't make sense to me that they don't try and air it out to start to start the game in the first half this week. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, even the Marcus Jones' big catch for the touchdown was – it was a screen. It was like a screen. Yeah, well, I think that's when the offensive line is as bad as New England's is right now, and I think most importantly as inconsistent as it is, there isn't one bad piece on the offensive line. All of the pieces have bad days except for maybe Michael Onwenu, but even he I don't think was fantastic tonight. It makes it hard to even scheme around him. I think we saw the Vikings last week were able to counter Judon, even though Darisol was out because when it's the left tackle out, you can throw chips and you can throw doubles and you can do all kinds of scheme stuff to protect one offensive lineman. You can't do that when it's four of the five guys that you can't trust out there. So it's all short passes and it's all screens and it's, it's early, but I felt like the game kind of turned on the third play when it's third and one and you try to hand it off for, you're trying to get a first down on third and one and you can't execute a handoff. That's you're trying to play with the lead against this team and you can't, it's not it's not that they couldn't do it, it's that they couldn't get out of their own way. There wasn't the they didn't have the opportunity to mess it up or to, to let the Bills defense stop them. They messed it up before that could even happen. Yeah, I mean that was a horrible start to the game. There's really no way to sugarcoat it. And they had a good push on that play. It was obviously gonna be a first down if you they showed the replay a couple times and it looked mm-hmm. like Hunter Henry and Onwenu made a pretty solid hole blocking, but Overall, just very disappointing when you start behind the chains like that and you have to punt 
you go three and out on your first drive and you have to give the ball to Josh mm-hmm. Allen and an offense who's so explosive. And you saw Diggs get into it very early with a big 19 yard grab. And you just can't play a game like that against this team. Yeah. You, can't, you have to execute the easy things. You can't make mistakes like that. And I'll give the Patriots credit. They didn't turn the ball over today, even though did Jordan Poyer catch it? Maybe, maybe not. Either way, it wasn't a if if that's what do you call it? If that's a catch, then Hunter Henry's last week is a catch. Exactly. But in the end of things, they didn't turn the ball over. No. And it really didn't feel close at any point in this game. No. I, I just I actually just had this sent to me. There's a clip of um Mac Jones on the sidelines, uh yelling at somebody whom who it is, we don't know. I think we can all speculate and guess as to who it would be. Uh, it it just says throw the effing ball. We can't effing run it. Our, our running game effing sucks. Something like that. Uh, that just about sums up the offense right now. Yeah, it really does. And like I just said, I thought they should have thrown the ball down the field. I mean, they have Tre'Davious White coming back off a big injury that they're still easing back into things. They're on a backup safety because Micah Hyde's out. Jordan Poyer is obviously a very good player, and then they have a couple of okay cornerbacks if you I know the offensive line is the problem and they can't they can't handle the Bills front seven necessarily but you got to take some downfield shots in this game and you just got to try and push it down the field like you can't throw screens and check downs all game against a team who has an explosive offense they only scored 24 but they could have scored a lot more if they wanted to it felt like yeah, it was it was basically three. It was three points or three point four points per drive that they tried to score. Yeah, which is well, I mean the the league high is below three. Like I think the 07 Patriots were right around three points per drive, something like that. So for comparison, that's where the Bills were tonight. And I don't even think the defense played that bad from an X's nose perspective. I think they made some mistakes, and the Bills made some plays, which is going to happen. But that you forced the punt. You forced a turnover. Probably should have had another turnover in there with uh, an interception that was dropped. Although, was that on the drive where there was the fumble? I think it might have been. It might have been, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was around that time in the game. It's it's hard to tell, but it, it almost doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really feel like it mattered when the offense got the ball tonight or when the defense got turnovers. The offense wasn't really going to do much with it. Yeah, and you're. Your only touchdown of the game came from a cornerback. He led he led your receivers for the second receiving. time in three games, mind you. Yeah, that the only touchdown has come from Marcus Jones. Which side note, he looks amazing right now. So that looks like a great pick. He might be one of the best. He might be your your. Well, depending on Jonathan Jones's contract is up this offseason, he might be your Jonathan Jones replacement and your James White replacement at the same time. The way things are going right now, but. It's just overall, it felt like they're searching for answers, and I thought it was clever to put Marcus Jones out there. Yeah, uh, but they showed it early, and they tried to go back to it in the second half, and he caught like a little four or five yard pass. Yeah, um, and the Bills were ready for it. Yeah, after and that, they, but and they tried it as a decoy one play later, and they got Jacoby Myers wide open across the middle, and I think Mac was just late on it, and I don't I don't know why he was late on it. The guy was open. Uh, I'm as big a Mac Jones defender as there is out there, but he missed that one. And I think that's an issue too, is 
I don't know. It's the the sample size feels small with this offense right now because of the offensive line. You're only gonna have so many opportunities to make plays, so you have to take advantage of them. And every oppor- every chance that they don't take advantage hurts. Like, it feels like if the offense misses one or two chances to make a play, that's it. That's it's over. And I think the the play that was really telling to me is when it was the th- third fourth quarter. Yes, fourth quarter, and they. They're down by three scores, and Mac hits a check down. You get it to fourth and six, fourth and seven, whatever it was, and he wants to go for it, and they're not letting him go for it. That feels like where this offense is right now, that they'd rather Josh Allen have the ball than trust the offensive line. But even in that situation, down three scores, it's personally, I don't think it's the right call. I mean, no. they stopped them. They didn't score points. But they took time off the clock. You were around midfield after that. I thought that was probably the most questionable call of the game. Yeah. Overall, I mean, why not go for it in that situation? What did they have to lose? Yeah. And that's, uh, that's I mean, I don't, I think there is a rational argument against that, but it isn't one I would agree with. The argument against it is you can't trust the offensive line and the defense has played much better than the offense and, Josh Allen has turned it over a lot recently. I think seven picks in his last five games, something along those lines. So we're going to do better on field position if we let Marcus Jones return a punt or if we try to pick off the ball. Uh, But I think the fact that you're willing to take that chance says a lot about what the coaches think about this offense. And that is a really bad sign for where the offense is because I have my issues with the guys that are on the coaching staff for this offense, but they're seeing them every day. I think Bill has a general idea of what's going on. I don't. Bill Belichick's a pretty good coach. They're seeing him every day, and they have this little faith in the offense to move the ball in a situation like that. Like that's that's a red flag. And it seemed like there was a lot of frustrations on the sideline yeah. tonight. They showed Mac upset. They showed mm-hmm. Patricia mumbling under his own breath a couple times. They showed Bill shaking his head. I mean, it just seems like a lot of negativity right now on that sideline. Mm-hmm. which is crazy after you have your quarterback throw for 382 yards last week, you put up 26 points and then you turn around this week and you do absolutely nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. it is disappointing and it makes sense that they're frustrated. Uh, and obviously the offensive line has a lot to do with that, but I still think in that situation, you probably should go for it. Even if you don't get it, even no, if I, you don't I, get it, like, yeah, I would hundred percent agree because you're losing that game anyway. At that point, you need to make a play, and it's just it's like the it's like the Packers game in overtime there, where you're you're giving the ball back because you don't trust the offense, and in that case, it's because you got the rookie quarterback, and it's Bailey Zappi, and it's understandable tonight. So and I, it's because of the offensive line, and it's just the fact that the offensive line is bad enough where the coaches even consider that decision is such. I mean, that's. I think that's where the issue is. It's, it's hard to evaluate how good anybody is on this offense with how the line is right now. There was that third down where Max throwing Jacoby Myers short of the sticks and he's covered and you want the flag and everything, but it's on that play, you're sending three receivers out because you have to keep two guys in the block. And the Bills aren't rushing anybody extra there, really. It might have been a five-man rush, but you have such a numbers disadvantage it doesn't matter what receivers, unless you have Justin Jefferson out there making crazy catches, you're not going to pick up the first in that scenario. If Mac Jones isn't running for it on third and 10, probably not. So you put that all together and it's just, what do you, what do you expect this offense to do? 
Yeah, and I think a big part of this game that really hurt the Patriots was the missed field goal before the half. Um, and some things – I saw something on Twitter and some people were criticizing Mac Jones on that third down play of not rushing the ball and trying to get a couple extra yards. Mm-hmm. I just want to get your opinion on that because, to me, your field goal kicker needs to reach from 48 yards. Yeah. I, if he I gets tackled have... inbounds, there's no field goal attempt. No. And I, I don't have an issue. If Nick Folk misses that because it's windy or he pushes, pushes it to one side or the other, it is what it is. You cannot have your kicker come up short from 48 yards. And I, I don't know if it has to do with changing the holder. Maybe I'm not a special teams guy, so maybe there's a technical element to this, and that's why folks' field goal came up so short. But there is no – if you're an NFL kicker, you should be able to distance-wise make any kick from 55 in. Maybe not accuracy-wise, but distance you should be able to hit it. I mean, they had, they had, three, they had two kickers, three special teams guys – active tonight because of the issues there with Nick Volk and his leg. And he's an old dude. This is, this is something that I don't think we've really talked about in a little bit because Nick Volk has been so reliable. This team took a, a, took a pick on a kicker and missed it horribly. That's a pick that went wide, right? Yeah. And now you're in a position where you're relying on a really old veteran kicker. Who's he's good. He's usually reliable within a 50, but it's a cold night in Foxborough. The dude's a little bit old. Things are a little bit different. Like you can't miss that kick, but at the same time, this is the position you're in where you're relying on this guy and he's your offense. Sometimes it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. But even with all that said, I totally agree. You have like, you got to reach from 48 yards. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand the people blaming Mac Jones for not trying to run the ball there. They have yeah, no, no timeouts. That, they have no timeouts. There's a guy chasing him down. Obviously, he's a couple yards behind him, but Mac's not the fastest guy in the world. If he doesn't get to that sideline, there's not even a field goal attempt. No. And I'm kind of getting sick of people blaming Mac for things like that. It seems like they want a scapegoat. There's things Mac can do better. Don't get me wrong. But in a situation like that, you're trying to take the points. And your field goal kicker should reach. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's – there's plenty to blame Mac for right now, or at least put on his shoulders and ask for him to do better. But that's that's not one of those things. I know we got dark blue gold in the comments. Oh, dark blue gold. I was waiting for you to show up in the comments because I knew that this was coming. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. Two botched timeouts. This is the second week in a row now where we've just seen them. Time management is not there. And I don't know who that's on. I mean, at this point, it's everybody. And that starts at the top with Bill. Right. I mean, it has to. I agree. I think it's the entire offense and coaching staff. Like, yeah, you would assume these are things that they work on all the time and they haven't gotten it right two weeks in a row. Yeah. And this is this is one of those things where it's like I'm not I am a fan sitting here analyzing the game. I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on better than Bill Belichick. But what I can say is it looks like the team is overwhelmed. Um that like the none of the details are right on any in any aspect of this. Uh, I wonder if I wonder if they just don't have enough coaches. Do they just not have enough guys to teach what they need to and to get enough reps of everything that they need to? I look back at the training camp too, with how much time they had to spend on getting the offense right and getting the offensive line together, and how how much of a time waster that is. You can't get into some of the other stuff you want to do, and it's not really an excuse for any of this. It's 
this is basic stuff, but at the same time, if if you have to spend so much time on the other basic stuff, things are going to fall through the cracks. And if you have to press so hard just to be close with the team like the Bills, things are going to fall through the cracks. Yeah, and touching on that point, I mean, part of that is having Matt Patricia call your plays and having Joe Judge be a big part of the offense. Guys that don't have a lot of offensive background, they're more defensive and special teams guys, I mean – you got to work on one thing that should be a little bit simpler than a two-minute drill, and you got to spend more time on that. To your point, I mean, maybe it's an experience thing on the coaching staff in terms of obviously they have experience coaching, but maybe not on the offensive side of the ball. There's a lot of different things that I think can go into it: uh, injuries, coaching, execution. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I'm not like. I have my issues with picking Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to be back there. I'm not going to sit back there and blame them for everything. Both of those guys were good enough at what they did to get head coaching gigs. Both of those guys, presumably in their head coaching gigs, worked on the offensive side of the ball. Both of those guys in their initial time in New England worked on the offensive side of the ball in some capacity. Like it's a, These are not the hires that I would make. I don't think they're to blame for absolutely everything bill said earlier this season if things aren't working put the blame on me he wants it on him not on those guys and i i think we should probably put the blame there i think that's and that's how it is he's the head man and it's it's not i think that's one of the keys here it's not just the offense that's having these issues special teams you got a delay game out there for no reason everybody's on the field the punt unit's there ball just doesn't get snapped defense we've seen kind of issues with details at points there all season long i think we've seen them go to some really simple defenses at points as a result of that which kirk cousins picked apart last week and josh allen picked apart at times tonight and when it's that consistent across the entire team it has to go to the top but i'm not not gonna call for like bill belichick's job or anything but i think something behind the scenes has to change a little bit to adjust for that it doesn't even need to be personnel but the approach has to change if it's not working this badly Again, like you, it's all aspects. And we've talked about the offense. I mean, you want to jump into the defense a little bit, talk about some of the yeah. things that are going on there. And a big concern for me with the rest of the year, they just got torched by Justin Jefferson. Stefan Diggs looked really good. And now they have to face DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae mm-hmm. Adams, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs again. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't get any easier. No, and, and Jonathan Jones seems to have Tyreek's Hill number to an extent. Uh, I think it helps. I think it it hurts that Jalen Mills wasn't there tonight. So that's like a little bit of a factor. But the reality is whoever they put on digs got torched. And this is two years in a row that's happened. Three years in a row that's happened. It's This has been a consistent theme now. I think part of it is that we're not the only team that's dealt with that. It's just happening to the Patriots two times a year because they're in the division. Like, Stephon Diggs is this difficult for everybody. There might be five corners in the league who can cover him, but are we in a position right now where it's, you have to make a move for corner one. Jonathan Jones is a free agent. And after the season, Jalen Mills, his contract is absolutely movable. Do you consider moving on from some of these guys and trying to go at the best corner you can find and add that to your defense? I think the rest of the year will be a telling tale. I mean, like you said, Diggs has kind of already had our number. But, like, DeAndre Hopkins, the Patriots have had success against in the past, back when he was with the Texans. So if they show any any signs of life of slowing him down next week, that's a huge positive. 
yeah. uh, for this cornerback room. And obviously moving forward, they play some really good wide receivers. And if they struggle, then maybe you have to go get an elite cornerback who can match up with some of these guys. Because like you said, you're going to see Diggs twice a year. You're going to see Tyree Kill twice a year. And yeah. Garrett Wilson isn't half bad either. So. No, the, the Jets have a lot of talent in the receiving room. It hasn't worked the way they wanted, but that's what Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Denzel Mims, who I still like a lot. I liked him coming out of college. Uh, Elijah Moore is still in that room. Like they got guys. Like this is. It feels like it feels like the Patriots were one or maybe two elite, probably, probably one on each side of the ball, elite player short tonight. And they have the cap space to address that this offseason and the draft capital to address that. You just got to use it appropriately. You got to find guys who are really, really, really good at football, which is easier said than done. But if you want to win in this league and you want to win in this division, you either you got to be able to pass or you got to be able to stop the pass. And they limited Josh Allen tonight. I will give him credit there. This was. If you look at just the stat sheet, the difference between Josh Allen and Mac Jones tonight is not monumental. They're not that far apart, which is kind of crazy. But the difference between those two guys, I think, is that one touchdown in the red zone on third down where Josh Allen's getting hit by Mac Wilson going out of bounds, jumps in the air and fires a ball in. In what That's the type of play you make on Thanksgiving against your seven-year-old cousin when you just feel like messing around and you're playing football in the yard. But yeah. Josh Allen's doing it to grown adults out there. Yeah, I mean, he made a couple of special plays in that first half. That play, uh, the little flip pass to Hines. I mean, that was he had a guy draped all over his back, and that went for a first down on third and 11. Um, that was a ridiculous play. Um, he had a first down run where he tried a hurdle. Uh, I mean, he's a great athlete, and he's a great player. And the, really the difference is that those special plays that come here and there, Mm-hmm. Like, what's like? It's hard to stop a guy who can make that play. It really is. Yeah. Like, what do you? There's a certain point where it's like, it's just, what do you do? Josh Allen's gonna like Allen and Diggs are gonna get 20 points on you unless you have a perfect day or they like. If they're on their game, they're gonna get 20 points. Like that's, it's the equivalent of like that. It, Josh Allen is like, I don't know, Giannis. Like he's he's just he's just gonna get his. Like you can mm-hmm. limit him and you can do stuff, but even on a bad day, he's gonna get his. And I feel like that's what we saw. And it, he's always dialed in against the Pats. That dude hates the Patriots. That like whole team hates the Patriots. Yeah, I can't blame him. <laughs> did you see? The, did you see? Uh, did you see the pregame when Poirier was like, "We hate them. It's gonna be a dog fight." They did like no, I missed that, segment. but I'm not surprised. Poor was like, yeah, we hate them. It's going to be an absolute dogfight out there. So I, I think the whole team hates, hates the Patriots. Yeah. Um, and I think the end of the game I thought was interesting. Patriots have three timeouts, and the Bills take three kneel downs. Um, I don't know if that's a – last year, Sean McDermott is probably trying to score more points. Um, he was – last year he was trying to put it on the Patriots, but – I thought tonight that was interesting to close the game, especially with Bill not using any of the timeouts. I know you're down two scores with two minutes left, but I think I think that was I'll give Bill credit here in that he seems to when the game is over, he knows the game is over. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think you could tell on the last offensive drive too, where there wasn't really a hurry. And I, I get the frustration with not really hurrying there, 
but I also get the philosophy that this game is over. Now the Patriots are not winning at that point. So let's we're playing a good defense. Let's put one drive together. Let's put some stuff on tape. Let's see it work. Let's slow it down and work on the execution. Let's do what we want. And they didn't. They didn't. Well, they got points out of it because they settled for the field goal. But I think we saw some stuff there from Tyquan Thornton, which was good. I thought Mac looked fine. I thought Ramondre looked pretty good in that sequence. They took what they were given, which is what you would expect. I'm not sure where the playmakers are. In the, I There aren't really playmakers on this offense outside of Ramondre. I'm not sure that there need to be if the offensive line is as good as we expect in New England. It's just was so weak across the board that the rest of the talent, the lack thereof shows up. Yeah, for sure. I just, I just thought it was interesting that both coaches had like the same mindset to close the game out. Um, I thought it was kind of like a a little bit of a respect thing. Yeah, I agree. My thought process, but. um, Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. That was, there was a respect element and Bill knows when the game is over and I McDermott knows that, where it is and i'm glad to see that after last year too that there's all yeah. right this is over that the pats still have not beaten the bills in the post brady era in a game in normal weather conditions too which probably should have had a win in there in the cam newton year with the fumble late but outside of that one they really have not been particularly close none of them have felt close no at all um and i think a part of that is the Bills only averaged 3.6 yards a carry tonight, mm-hmm. but I felt like they ran the ball well. They established a rushing attack. James Cook busted off a couple of nice runs. Singletary did his thing that he usually does. And I think that was a big part. And I think it is a big part of the Bills game plan against the Patriots. They know they have to run the ball a little bit to get those opportunities for Allen down the field. Well, and they, they ran the ball well enough to consistently be in third and short which they know they're going to have the advantage there. And they basically, it felt like they ran into one third and long on every drive and how that drive went kind of determined what was going to happen. And most of the time they picked it up anyway, which I think that's the concerning part. I think the Patriots game plan is basically what they tried to do against Peyton Manning in 2013, which is let them run, make it hard for them when they pass and make the plays when we do ask them that we do force them to pass the ball. They didn't. Did they make a single play when the Bills passed the ball tonight? I mean, they had a couple pass breakups. Couldn't get a pick, even though they had an opportunity for it. Gave the touchdowns in the red zone. That I think that game plan can work as long as you're getting stops on third and long and you're you're forcing field goal attempts. But they just didn't do that. Yeah, the the bend don't break wasn't wasn't great tonight. And I mean, we talked about that great play that Josh Allen made, but. This has been a thing that Mac Wilson has struggled with all year, bringing down the quarterback. Like, have a little mm-hmm. urgency, push him out of bounds a little bit harder. Yeah, something. And, it, and the other part of it is Josh Allen is a very large individual. Yeah, he's a large, and athletic human. All of this is—it's—it's it's very easy for us to say this yeah. from our uh, our heated uh, apartments here, and much much easier said than done in that <laughs> regard. I, I would not want to be the guy out there on the cold Foxborough field trying to push Josh Allen out of bounds. But yeah, it's you got to find a way to make that play. And I, in some in some ways, I feel like the defense played as well as the talent level. Like if I if I told you it's going to come down to Mac Wilson versus Josh Allen in the open field, you're probably going to say Josh Allen wins that one. Like that's that's not a surprise. It's not 
a certain certain point, it's not really about the coaching. Sometimes the guys just aren't up to it. Yeah, and I don't know. I just think it's a thing that Wilson – we've called Wilson out for this yeah. season. That's probably why my frustration is a little bit more with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was kind of fading away, falling towards the sideline. Um, but overall, I mean, the Patriots' defense did what they could. Mm-hmm. And they were on the field a lot. I don't know yeah. the exact time of possession numbers, but it was a significant difference. It was close to 40-20. The, the Bills had 38 minutes of possession. Yeah. yeah. So they were on the field, like, a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And I will – there. It's, we got a comment here from uh, John Limbrock. It's, shout out shout out John. I'm a, a friend of his. He knows what he's talking about here. Vikings and Bills were 17 of 29 on third down combined in the last two games, and that doesn't include the penalties that you're giving up on third down. I think that's your issue. And honestly, from watching it, a lot of those third downs too, you're able to get pressure. And it it feels like there's a small sample size where you're trying to force it of, you're trying to get yourself into positions where the Bills have to make a play and you're going to rush it. You're going to try to make Josh Allen make a play under pressure. I thought they tried to do that last week. We're going to try to make Kirk Cousins make a play under pressure. And you go back and watch the tape and it's like, they pressured him and didn't matter. He made plays. He found guys. I don't know if that that could be on the coaches for the defenses being predictable enough that the quarterback knows where to go with those balls in that situation. I'm not smart enough with this football stuff to really know here, but I do know you have to be more productive than that. Yeah, and 17 for 29, obviously that's a great clip, but like he says, that doesn't even include the penalties, and one of those showed up tonight. It was a big Jack Jones penalty on third and long. Tough break, too. He fell, he fell a little bit, fell into his legs, but... It's a penalty. It just stinks. <laughs> it's a penalty, yeah. And to talk about the penalties a little bit, they just... It seems like they've been getting penalties that previous Patriots teams don't get. Even the team last year didn't have as big of issues in terms of penalties, um, and that's on the defense and special teams. I mean... Yeah. And that's that's where it's frustrating. It's like this team is just... It's not talented enough to make up that difference. Yeah. Like you can, you, you can be sloppy or you can be talented. You can't be both and expect to win against good teams, which I don't think the Patriots are a bad team. The Patriots look like a thoroughly mediocre team at this point. Like that's the offense makes mm-hmm. some, some plays where you don't have a very good defense. The offense is probably going to score on you at least a decent amount, probably more field goals and touchdowns, but it's going to do it. And if you're not that good of an offense, the defense is going to get stops. If you're not a good quarterback, the defense is going to pick you off. If you're good at any of those things, well, that's the game. <laughs> the crazy part is we Mac didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. And he got sacked, technically got sacked one time. Yeah. And it felt like well, that's that's I think we can say what we want about Matt Patricia. The fact that he didn't get sacked like he didn't get sacked behind that offensive line, or got sacked once behind that offensive line and it came late is like it's a testament to the play calling being good enough to protect him. Yes. I agree with that. But there was a couple times screen plays went for negative three, negative four, negative five. A couple plays where there was holding calls. They got sacked one time, but they started behind the chains, it felt like. Exactly. Five or six times, which has seemed to happen every week. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! 
What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah. And it's uh, before before this season in the Mac, or before last week, in the Mac era, um, just double check this stat here. Yeah. They were undefeated in the Mac era when the team does not turn the ball over until last week. They have now lost back-to-back games when the offense doesn't turn it over, and it's that's kind of, all right, they've cleaned it up, and it's just, that's kind of disappeared now. I guess, I don't think Mac, I don't think Mac Jones is playing poorly at this point. I honestly think he's played very similarly the last three weeks. The only difference is who is on the offensive line and who is playing defense against them. Yeah, and Obviously, the Bills and Vikings are better than the. I mean, they're technically better than the Jets, but the Jets are seven and four. Well, um, the just the the Jets have like a top five. They have a, yeah, they, they do have a top defense. I'm just saying overall, yeah. their teams. Yeah. The, but the Vikings are actually 31st in the NFL in yards allowed. And when you look at the fact that the Bills have a well coached defense with, with some really good pieces in the secondary, and the Jets have a top five defense, and the Vikings have a bad defense. I think that explains a lot more of the offense we've seen over the last three weeks than anything the offense has done. Yeah, probably. And even in that Vikings game, you had some more offense. Like, you had at least Yadni Kajus playing in that game. I mean, you had some guys up at least. There was was concern about Trent Brown not playing in this one, and the inactives come out, and Brown's in, but Kajus isn't. And it's just – it's hard to game plan. It's hard to have cohesion when – the offensive yeah. line looks like it does, and you got guys banged up. Their starting right tackle was not with the team two weeks ago. That's where they're at right now. And he was originally drafted by them, but I don't think that really that really carries over at this point. Yeah, and Brown came in with an illness, and he looked like he was not 100% tonight. He got beat multiple times during this game, and just overall disappointing night from the offense. I mean, obviously, you hope with the circumstances you can do a little bit better, but it does make sense why the play calling is a little bit limited, and it's it's a lot to deal with, with a lot of offensive linemen dealing with injuries. I mean, even David Andrews is still banged up. So yeah. It's just – it's rough all around, and yeah, it's frustrating. Marcus Jones is good. If there's one positive here, um, here's a, here's the stat for you: the the Bills only outgained the Patriots by 0.2 yards per play, it's 4.7 to 4.5. I don't know how much that means. But <laughs> <laughs> looking for something here. Yeah, it. I mean, it's something, but it doesn't mean much when the game feels out of reach. 
right after halftime. I mean, I said out loud to the people I was with, I was like, if the Bills score again before the half, this game's over. And the Patriots stopped them, and they missed the field goal, and then they come out of halftime, they score the touchdown, and the Patriots stall on their next drive. And it's the same thing. It feels the same way. And it's really all phases of the game. I mean, the Patriots' defense was decent tonight, but there was still some disappointments. It was, all three phases felt a little disappointing tonight. Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of felt like that for a while against any team that's good. Too. There's that stat they keep throwing up about Patriots record against teams that score at least 17 points. And like, I don't know if that's a reflection of the offense itself. I think it feels like it's just a reflection of the team as a whole. If there's any game where the game script means that it's going to, the offense is going to have to win or the defense is going to have to make a couple of plays, any game where you have to play from behind and this team can't play good enough football to make up for that difference. Yeah. And, I thought there was a couple of interesting things, at least in the game tonight. I mean, you deployed a new weapon on offense. Uh, Kevin Harris was your second running back in line. He got one carry for negative one. I thought that – I just thought it was interesting that he got on the field tonight. Yeah. Um, and then we saw a lot of Marcus Jones and Jack Jones in the secondary. I know Jalen Mills was out, uh, but they still had some significant – roles in the secondary in this game. So a couple trends that are at least interesting that happened around the game. Yeah. <sighs> so Barrett. Team's still at 500 here. Yes. Got still a home game left against a division opponent. And two games, next two games on the road against teams that I think even with how the Patriots looked tonight, should be worse. Those should be wins. If, the, if it's on a neutral field, those should be wins, the next two. Two more home games after that against conference opponents, which on paper could be winnable before you have to go back to Buffalo again. I think this team probably needs to win all of the next four games to get into the playoffs, at least three to have a chance. How are we feeling about that now? I think the next two are winnable, and I think, I think the Cardinals with uh, an extended break – get a little bit healthier, that should be a win, 100%. Um, I mean, nothing's 100% given how the NFL has been. But I think with time to game plan for that team and just extra rest, it will be very helpful. Uh, you got to go into Vegas. Uh, people who were under, like, previous coaches who were with Belichick before, they they do well against the Patriots. The, Belichick struggles against his uh, former assistants who have moved on. And, I mean, McDaniels is his second stint coaching stint, but I think that game will be a close game. I think it'll be similar to the Vikings game in terms of high scoring, uh, but you really need the next two, and then you need to go get the win against the Bengals. That's the one that you circle on the on the schedule. If you win the next two, you need that one. That'd bring you to nine and six, and you're probably in the playoff picture if you win that Bengals game. And after what we've seen the past couple weeks and all season – can you ask for much more to be in that spot with two weeks left? Yeah, well, we'll see. I don't. I do. I think they they win the next four and next three. I mean, it's a tall task, but you yeah, gotta hope. <laughs> I I don't know. It's, 
I know I'm supposed to have thoughts on this team right now, and I'm just like, it feels like a repeat of last year. And this team feels mediocre, and I don't think it can beat the best of the conference. And if you can't beat the best in the conference, you're not going to be able to get into the playoffs. Even the, not even just the best, the top tier. Yeah, and I mean, after that, after the Bears loss, you need to win at least one or two games that you're not supposed to. And I think that comes down to Bengals, Dolphins, Bills to end the year. And I think the next three defenses you play with the Cardinals, Raiders, and Bengals, you can score points on. You can build something offensively. Hopefully. (laughs) I mean, yeah, if you can't score against the Cardinals and Raiders, there's very big concerns. But yeah, um, I know we have, yeah, we have questions about the coaching here, but you should be able to outcoach the next two opponents you would expect. You, yeah, you would definitely expect that. And both of those teams have had some serious struggles. They've had injuries. They've had, they both have penalty issues. I mean, you should win if you play a clean game. I think the Cardinals are 31st in DVOA this year. Don't quote me on that, but. That feels about right. That's a team that has wildly unperformed, underperformed the talent level, which is just, yeah, that's a whole other thing. What's going on out in Arizona? That should be a win. I feel like the game against Las Vegas maybe is likely to be a loss as either Miami or Cincinnati game, maybe to be a win. Doesn't it feel like every week's a 50-50? <laughs> like, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. If every week's a 50-50, you're not a very good team. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't I don't think this team is bad. This team is about it. It, it feels like the season kind of swung on the Mac injury, the Ravens, the end of the Ravens game, the Packers game, and the Vikings game last week. the 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 Packers, Ravens, and Vikings games they all lost for different reasons, and all of them were winnable. And I think that difference right there is the difference between being on the right side of mediocre being kind of good looking upwards and being bad. And it's, uh, I mean, the entire sport of football is based on small sample sizes here. And that's, that's just the way it goes. Like mix of injuries, a couple turnovers, a couple calls not going your way. And that that's the difference between being a six seed that can get into the playoffs and be 10 and seven and try to do what the Bengals did last year. And a team that might be seven wins and looking for the draft, looking for changes, looking for new coaches. That's, that's the difference right there. Yeah. Out of curiosity, do you think they get mm-hmm. in? Um, de- obviously, it's dependent on the wins, but 10 and 7. Let's say they beat the next two opponents and they lose mm-hmm. to the Bengals, but they steal one of the last two. Do you think they get in at 10 and 7? I was playing with this on the 538 website the other day, and it, it says if that happens, I think it was like a 48% chance of getting into the playoffs. So it was just under 50-50, yeah. which feels about right. They'd need a break to go their way, which wouldn't be some crazy break. They'd need the, the Dolphins to lose a game in there, or the Bengals to lose a game in there, something like that. It's not asking a ton, but you need need it to actually happen, and you're leaving it up to chance. Uh, I also, based on what, we, what we've seen, if you get in as the seventh seed, what, are you going to Kansas City in the first round? Like, Well, you'd be going... The ones he would have a buy, right? 
Yep, so you're going to, you're going to the two seed if you're the Zeppelin. It's Kansas so City or Tennessee to... in all likelihood. Yeah. And I don't really want to play. I, I, it's, I think the Patriots, in theory, could play with Kansas City. I think they've given Kansas City more competitive games. Like, you can go back to that weird COVID game in 2020 where you're changing the quarterback and all that, and it's like, that game was more competitive than it had any right to be given the circumstances, but still wasn't that close. Maybe the Patriots give the Chiefs a little bit of a game. Obviously, they lost at home to the Bengals last year, but even if this team gets in, it's, I don't think it's a bad team. I, I just I don't think we know what we have in Mac yet either. I think it's a team with a couple fatal flaws. Yeah, and it's a tough end of the year. They face five competent teams at least and three really good ones. Um, yeah. And even if they don't get into the playoffs – It'd be really nice to see Mac end the year strong and some positivity on offense or just you want to see some progression from at least what you saw tonight in the last five yeah. weeks. And I think that's a would be a big big building block. Hopefully if Trent Brown can get healthy here, that's going to help. If he can play not like somebody that had to drink a bunch of Dayquil to get on the field, that's going to help. Yeah, uh, and if you can get, it could just was playable last week. It wasn't fantastic. He's not nothing. He's nothing to write home about. He's not your starting right tackle of the future, but he's a guy you can play with. You can get him back out there and healthy. That's going to help. Then you can run an offense, and then you can see what you have. Because then you're also in a position where it's what do you do at offensive coordinator? I don't love the Matt Patricia hire. But do you want to ask Mac Jones to have a third offensive coordinator in three years? Do you want to ask this team that clearly struggled to learn a new offense this year to learn another new offense? And do we think we know what we have in these coaches right now when you've suffered so many injuries all season long and things have not gone to plan? It's a position where I don't, I don't like any of the answers. Yeah, it is. It is a difficult spot. And, I obviously think the next couple of weeks will be telling of some of those answers. Yeah. Um, I hope they are. It, I think yeah, I think, I think the worst so. scenario here is I think the worst scenario here is where the team continues to be so hampered by the offensive line issues that you can't tell what the other parts look like. Yeah. And then it's just, I mean yeah what do you do? Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting end of the season and. They have a lot of money in the offseason, like you said earlier. So yeah. they can do some things. It's move. just. They got guys they got to pay to. Kiko Myers, I think you have to pay him. Jonathan Jones, I think it's still very much up in the air if you want to pay him. Devin McCourty will be a free agent after this year. Like Triple Peppers will be a free agent. You got a bunch of role players at that level. Damian Harris is going to be a free agent. I think also another note tonight, for as bad as the offensive line was, like they gave Kevin Harris some blocks. He wasn't exceptional or anything. It's hard to tell because of there's nothing blocked for him. It's, he's run into a guy a yard behind the line of scrimmage, but he wasn't anything fantastic. Pierre Strong is still not getting looks on offense. I think I think one of the things that's interesting is like Marcus Jones is still very much the fifth corner on this team. Pierre Strong seems to be like the fourth running back, and those are guys you're kind of you're, you're going to hope can be not even starter level, but backup level consistent players for this team next year. Miles Bryant is a free agent. You want Marcus Jones to replace him next year. And Damian Harris is a free agent. You want Pierre Strong to be able to replace him next year. I don't even know if we have that right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of 
like you said, a lot of role players. So it'll be interesting to see what directions they're going. And the last five weeks will probably be telling of what direction you're going. I mean, Damian Harris right now probably comes back to your team on a bargain. He hasn't had the season he had last year. He's had some injuries. And the uh, obviously the offense is a little bit different when he's out there. I think Jabril Peppers has been solid this year. I think he's a guy you might end up bringing back. Uh, Nick Millen's had his moments. Um, guys like that. And obviously you have the big ones like the Jonathan Jones and Jacoby Myers that you have to resign, But you do have money off the books. And depending on how these last five weeks go, you could have a high pick. You could have a mid-tier pick. There's all sorts of scenarios yeah. you could still have. Yeah, there's there's a chance for this team loses for the next five. We're looking at a top ten pick. That's not of the realm of possibility. Yep. So, all right. Well, it is one of those nights in Foxborough. Twenty-four to ten loss. Patriots fall to six and six here. Uh, Mac Jones, he, he's going to finish the night there, going 22 of 36 for 195 with a touchdown, only one sack. Josh Allen, two touchdowns, 22 of 33, 223 yards. Not an overwhelming thing there. Neither team rushed very well. The Bills did enough, controlled the clock, and were able to pull out a win in, victory, uh, win in Foxborough in uh, a game that really got away from the Patriots, one that we thought they could have had earlier they made plays so it's uh it's another one of these nights against the bills this feels a lot like where where i was sitting on a saturday night in january of this year it's different it does feel it's better they forced punts this time they forced some punts they did force some punts yeah yeah but uh you know what i'll i'll throw we're not doing game balls here but i will say one player who looks a lot better right now josh Uche. the breakouts here yeah, and uh, I think he has, he's under one more year of team control. Yeah, he's got, he's got um, one more year. But if he plays good again next season, like he is this year, he's going to make some money. <laughs> he's going to make some money. And he's a guy I'd love to keep in it. Like, it's, he's he's an athletic freak. I'm, I'm a Michigan fan, too, so I watched him there. And I, it was one of those where he's always a good pass rusher. He needed to be good enough at the rest to kind of – Put it all together and make it work. Uh, he's really put together a sack last week. He had three sacks against the Colts. He had a sack at the Jets back in week eight there before the bye. Of course, the fumble tonight. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's putting it together. That's a, that's a positive here. I like what I'm seeing from Uche. Judon, I, I think that's opened by Judon, too. Judon draws stuff, which means Uche gets the one-on-ones. He gets the one-on-ones. Then he's able to win. So, that's good. Marcus Jones, good. The rest, very many. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for us. That's uh, Any last words before we go here, Barrett? Uh, just hopefully that they can take this extended period of time from now to next mm-hmm. two Mondays from now to heal up and hopefully come out with a good offensive game plan and um, just pay attention to that injury report this week because you need some guys to get healthy. Yeah. Pats are at the Cardinals next Monday, December 12th. we got kind of a, a mini buy here that will be a Monday night football game. We're going to be with you sometime between now and then. 
But for now, now that's Barrett Hodgson. I am Matt Sanjin. We'll see you next time. Next time.